The title of my sermon is Children of Promise. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. 400 years had passed since Malachi cried out, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great dreadful day of the Lord. During those 400 years, the Jews had been taken into exile by the Babylonians under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar, then Persia under the rule of Darius and Cyrus, then Alexander the Great, then Egypt, then Syria. Things were really bad under Antiochus Epiphanes, so bad that the Jews revolted. During the hundred-year rule of the Maccabees, there was some relief, but they too were replaced by Rome and the Herods. It was Herod the Great who ordered all the babies in Bethlehem murdered. 400 years of oppression, morality decayed, corruption in both the church and state, the priesthood at the mercy of the Roman rulers. These were the times in which Elizabeth and Mary lived. As I read their story, I could not help but see the similarities with the conditions we live in today. Have not some of us been led astray by those calling themselves the Messiah? Are there not among us wars and rumors of wars, nations rising up against nations, states against states, denominations against denominations, churches against churches, political parties against political parties? Haven't many fallen away? Is there not betrayal and hate and an increase in lawlessness? I could not help but wonder what it was like for them to be pregnant with children they knew had a special calling on their lives. I can see Elizabeth standing at the kitchen sink, washing dishes deep in her thoughts, reflecting on her life, her marriage, and now her pregnancy. What was she thinking? How did she feel? Let's join her in the kitchen and listen to her thoughts. I just can't believe this. After all these years, I just can't believe I'm pregnant. Lord knows how we tried to have a child. We went to the doctors and the midwives and everybody we thought could help. We tried all kinds of tonics and roots and herbs. We watched the calendar and saw another year pass with no child. Zach has been patient and he stood by me. He didn't leave me or divorce me and he could have. Maybe he understood deep down though that he would, though he would never admit it out loud, that possibly he could be the reason I didn't conceive. It has been so painful to watch the circumcisions, the naming ceremonies, the bar mitzvahs, the bat mitzvahs of our friends and watch them become grandparents and great-grandparents. Coming from a long line of ministers myself and marrying a minister has made it even worse. People look at us with reverence and disdain all at the same time. The looks and the snide remarks really hurt when I was younger. Now the disdain has turned to pity. I can relate to the pain and the anguish of Sarah and Hannah. It has been a struggle for us to stay true to our calling as descendants of Aaron. We both remember our families telling us how special our heritage was because even after the exile, we were still able to trace our family roots back to Aaron. Only those who could present proof of a relationship to Aaron could be priests. It was such an honor. Our families were so proud. 
We felt so blessed. But now there are more priests from the family line than there are positions in the temple. Zach had to find other work to support us. Zach and I take our religious heritage seriously. We follow all the ordinances. It hasn't been easy. Others think we are crazy. There is so much corruption and selfishness in the ministry now. Things have gotten so bad. The services are either dry and mechanical, without spirit or joy, or the priests work the congregation up in a frenzy and then take all of the offerings. The symbols of our faith have become mundane and meaningless, and the temple is just another place to gather, not worship. Elizabeth finishes the dishes and puts them away. She is moving slower now these days. Her back is beginning to bother her, so she sits down for a while and continues to reflect. Zach and I were so excited when we found out he had been chosen to burn the incense in the holy place on the, and on the Sabbath. The whole congregation assembled in the outer court. How good it felt for Zach to be able to perform a task he was trained to do. I thought he was taking a long time because he was savoring every minute in the holy place. I knew he thought since he was getting up in years, he might never draw a lot in return to this place. When he came out and could not talk, I thought he had a stroke. My heart began to race and my knees buckled. The thought of being a widow with no children and no relatives left was overwhelming. After everyone made a fuss over him and left all kinds of remedies for his throat, Zach told me what happened in the temple about the angel Gabriel who told us not to be afraid. Our prayer had been heard and I would bear a son and we would name him John. He told Zach this child would be a joy and delight to us and many will rejoice because of his birth because he will be great in the Lord's sight. Now I'm pregnant after all this time in my life, at this time in my life, and with all the craziness going on in the world today. There are so many parents who aren't aware of how important it is for us to practice our faith and teach our history. Children these days don't really understand what it means to respect each other. Children are raising themselves the best way they can. They look to those a few years older for guidance because no one will really listen to them. They are running in gangs, trying to find a home and a family. They are making up all kinds of rituals and rites of passage to help them shape their identity. There is so much anger and frustration, and the parents are struggling too, trying to make ends meet, working two and three jobs, trying to pay these unfair taxes to Caesar. Watching their money be wasted on elaborate architecture while people are hungry and homeless. How are we going to raise a child in the middle of all this chaos? The angel said he is not to take wine or fermented drink. No beer and wine in these days and age? In a world of instability, to an old barren woman, a child is to be born. My child is to be a prophet. He is to make ready a people for, coming, for the coming of the Lord. He is a child of expectancy and hope, a child of promise. Who can I talk to about this? No one is going to believe this. Zach is the only one who understands, but now he can't talk, and it is difficult to communicate. These were the same thoughts that were running through Mary's mind as she traveled three days to Elizabeth's house. She knew the reason the angel told her about her cousin was so she would have someone to talk to. She couldn't talk to Joseph. He wouldn't understand. 
How could she make him understand this pregnancy and she was still a virgin? Angels and visions were not his thing. He liked things that were concrete like wood and nails and hammers and saws, not this fluffy angel stuff. No, she couldn't talk to Joseph. As she approached Elizabeth's door, Mary prayed, Lord, please let her be home. Elizabeth slowly moves to the door and opens it and sees Mary standing there. What are you doing here? Why am I favored that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. As soon as the sound of your voice greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Oh, I'm all right. I'm not upset. I was just taken surprised by the baby doing somersaults. Of course, Mary, you can stay. I do need help around the house. I was worried about carrying the baby, this baby to term. Your help will be a blessing and we can talk and pray and reflect on the scriptures together. We can sort this out. The next morning after breakfast, Mary and Elizabeth began to share their stories. Mary, Elizabeth said, the angel told us that my son, my baby John, is to reconcile families and call the disobedient to the wisdom of righteousness. Elizabeth, Mary replied, there are children running away from home and being caught up in sex trafficking Parents are afraid of their children, and children are suing their parents these days. How is John going to turn that around? How are you going to prepare him? And he's supposed to prepare the way for my son? Can you believe it? My son is to be called the son of the Most High. He is supposed to reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom is never to end. Everybody knows the Roman government runs everything. And what the government doesn't want, the private industry controls. And besides, I don't have any health insurance. Joseph's business is just getting started, and with all those expenses, I might have to work outside the home, and that means daycare. Daycare for the son of the Most High? And you, Elizabeth, you and Zach are on a fixed income and just moved into this retirement community. How are we supposed to raise these children, Elizabeth? How do we keep our sons from being seduced by the Roman culture and forgetting their heritage? How do we protect them from racial profiling, sex, drugs, alcohol, and violence? They have so much potential. How do we nurture the promise that God has entrusted to us? Elizabeth had been watching the children play in the street, returned her gaze to Mary's anxious face. We must remember, Mary, they are children of promise. Remember, the angel told you nothing is impossible with God. Remember our ancestor Sarah who laughed when she overheard God telling Abraham she would bear a child and have more descendants than there were stars in the sky? When she laughed, God asked her, is there anything too hard for the Lord? We must remember that God will work it all out, Mary. We must not get in front of God and make matters worse with our own hands and complicate it the way Sarah did. We must be patient and faithful, and just like Isaac fulfilled his promise, our children will fulfill theirs. Hannah was another. Remember her, Mary? Hannah prayed. She poured her heart out before God, and God answered her prayer. Prayer is powerful, Mary. Prayer is self-discipline. When we come to the Lord in deep need and concern, God will make God's presence known. Hannah found power and comfort and prayer, peace in prayer. The Lord answered her prayer and gave her a son she named Samuel, heard of God. 
When Samuel was old enough, Hannah dedicated her son to the order of the Nazarene, the same order John is to be dedicated. As hard as it was for her, she had to let him go into God's care and protection. We will have to do the same, Mary. John's name means the Lord is gracious. Jesus' name means the Lord is salvation. They are children of promise, born in a world that needs reconciliation and redemption. There is nothing too hard for God, Mary. God hears prayers and answers them. We are to be faithful in teaching our children about their religion and their culture. We need to tell them they are children of promise. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. Elizabeth helped Mary study the scripture, finding their place in the plan of salvation. They accepted God's plan in their lives and in the lives of their sons. Elizabeth's wisdom gave Mary the courage to go back to Nazareth. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, the neighbors heard that the Lord had shown great mercy and they shared in her joy. On the eighth day, they went to the temple to circumcise the child and name him after his father, Zechariah. But Elizabeth spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. Mary and Joseph did the same. On the eighth day, they went to the temple to circumcise and name their baby Jesus, the name the angel had given them. Elizabeth and Zechariah, Mary and Joseph, participated in a ceremony which symbolized membership and belonging to a religious and biological family, a ceremony that represented a religious and cultural heritage, a ceremony that defined their children's identity. We live in a world of increasing change and instability. People are losing touch with hope, expectancy, and promise. The Advent season gives us the opportunity to renew our hopes and dreams, to sense expectancy and promise. The times we live in today are very much like the times of Elizabeth and Mary. But the birth of John and Jesus remind us that in the midst of fear, despair, and anxiety, children of promise are born. Children of promise are born every day. They are sons and daughters, nieces and nephews, cousins and grands, great-grands and great-great-grands, stepsons and stepdaughters, students, godchildren, and neighbors. They are born to us through our relationship with Jesus Christ and with our church family. As we move through this Advent season, we must remember nothing is impossible with God, and there is nothing too hard for the Lord. We must not get in front of God and complicate matters like Sarah. We must entrust ourselves, our dreams, our vision into God's care and protection like Hannah. In the same manner as Mary and Joseph, Elizabeth and Zechariah, we need to make sure our children and grandchildren, Godchildren, and other children in our lives understand their complete identity and claim their full inheritance. It also means we must try as best we can to love the way God loves us, not for what we do, not for what we look like or what we own, but because we are made in God's image and each of us reflects a part of who God is. John fulfilled his promise to prepare the way to call us to repentance. This communion table before us reminds us that Jesus fulfilled his promise. This is the good news to proclaim throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations. Amen. Amen.